0: This is Meg Tilton at the ACAL Life, episode number 36, part two LDS Women Money Stories, my interview with Whitney Thomas. This is the ACAL Life. A place where LDS women and really any woman can come to learn how every aspect of their life is beautiful and has purpose. A place to help you realize how important you are and that this place we call earth just wouldn't be the same without you. So sit back and take a breather in that unfolded laundry and let's chat for a moment about your amazing life. Welcome back to part two of LDS Women Money Stories. Today, I interview Whitney Thomas. Whitney is a 36-year-old mother who likes to say that she's from heaven, as she finds it easier and less time-consuming to explain the plan of salvation than reciting the 17 places that she has lived. She has a bachelor's from BYU and a master's from K-State. She served in the D.C. South Mission, speaking Spanish. She is a wife of 11 years, an army spouse of 10 years, and a mom of three darling children, ages seven, six, and four. She is currently an online instructor at BYU-Idaho, where she teaches a marriage skills course. She has a fairly new podcast and relationship coaching business called A Bit of Wit. She plans to launch her first online course, Marriage Reboot, later this year. Whitney's dream is a world full of better relationships, an end of loneliness, and people walking around with confidence and power because they recognize who they are, whose they are, and that their abilities are magnified as they utilize responsibility and agency. I personally know Whitney because we found each other through a coaching group, and she is amazing. So I hope that you enjoyed this interview. She has so many great insights about money and be sure you stick around for the end where I pick a lot of those out and kind of give you my own take on it. Here's Whitney. All right, welcome to the podcast, Whitney. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? Good. So I'm super excited to have you here as one of three panel discussion people on my on my podcast. <laughs> my three panel my three panel discussion people. Yeah. Is that how I would say it? I don't know anyway, but we're talking about money. <laughs> I've known Whitney for a while, so I can be a <laughs> dork with her anyway. So what I did with Jessie before you was I asked her these same questions and I want you to answer the same questions and just give me the honest answers. There's no right or wrong answer. And I just want to see what people say because I think it'll be interesting. Do a little all right. data collection here. Okay, so I believe we all grew up having a story told to us about money. So what was that story for you? And do you still believe that story? Why or why not? And what is your current story about money? So I grew up with... I, I don't want
1: to be like the typical... <laughs> but it does seem typical in a lot of ways. But the typical... When you ask for something, the response is, we don't have money for that, or Mm -hmm. that's too expensive or, and I, it's funny because I feel like I have been very aware of money for a very long time. I think that is maybe because like in many marriages, I think, especially when I was younger, it caused contention in my home. And so I would try to solve the money problems in my head. Mm Mm-hmm. For my parents, like I can find a journal entry from like the fourth grade where I'm like, I just don't understand how there's not enough money. And I like have Mm -hmm. math all written.
0: (laughs) That's hilarious. I can totally
1: see you doing that. I know. But there are a lot of things that obviously I wasn't aware of for one. And for two, as I've gotten older, something that I have realized is there was plenty of money for what we needed. But it's always a matter of priorities. I think of like middle school, when you're really wanting name brand clothes and stuff like that. And then Mm -hmm. the answer is no. And you just think, well, what, you know, they have all these cute clothes, and they live in this trashy neighborhood, I just don't get it, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I, I remember my mom even saying, like, we've made it a priority to have a nicer house. Mm-hmm. and not spend as much money on clothes you know mm-hmm. or things like that and so yeah I definitely feel like I had the idea that there was never enough mm-hmm. and that people who were wealthy were bad I don't know that they must have gotten their money from not being honest
0: mm-hmm. or
1: whatever, which is interesting because money really is relative and the older I get, the more I realize that there's a, quite a large percentage of Americans that would really like to make what my parents, you know, made mm-hmm. or whatever. So it's all relative, right?
0: hmm So and did that, you get that belief that people with money were bad from your parents? Where do you think you got that? Um, well,
1: partly. Like, my parents are pretty hardcore Democrat. Mm-hmm. And my mom was really poor growing up. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there are a lot of social programs and things like that, that they're very supportive of, which is fine. I don't think that's really Mm -hmm. matters. But my dad was a criminal investigator for the IRS. And so I think that his views were skewed because the people that he knew with money had gotten it or done illegal things with it, like mm-hmm. not paid their taxes mm-hmm. <laughs> and were doing things to not pay, you know, like to hide. And mm-hmm. I think that it's kind of like a mix of the two, just of the idea that people who have money have the obligation to pay a higher tax to help support those without. Mm-hmm. And that there were a lot of people out there that had made money and then tried to hide it, I guess, from the government. So I, I guess I <laughs> slightly distorted view because of how I grew up, I
0: guess. So do you still
1: believe that? <laughs> it's funny or interesting because I can there are like distinct points where I have kind of had a, a, epiphanies. You know, I used to think that there was like a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things and a right way looked very, you paid yourself 10%, you paid tithing 10%, you didn't buy anything that wasn't like really modest looking. And if you had anything left over, you just kind of gave it away. I don't know. I don't know Mm -hmm. what I thought. There are a couple of things like, I do remember I lived in this really nice apartment complex, like my last semester or so semester or two of college. Mm -hmm and i kind of felt like an imposter because these girls came from legit money i think that was a, one of the first time times that i was like i i don't have what these people have like i and I kind of felt shame a little bit mm-hmm. and so that i feel like has stuck with me kind of um the idea that i am not worthy of more than like a certain amount mm-hmm. But then I I feel like I have very distinct moments where things that are probably obvious to other people like came together in my brain kind of like, oh, like it's totally okay to buy nice things because guess what? Someone gets paid. Actually, Mm -hmm. lots of people get paid when you buy something, you know? Mm -hmm. So just the idea that I would love to have, I've always wanted to have a lot of money to be generous. Mm -hmm. I love being generous. That is something that just really makes me feel good. And Mm -hmm. the two things I've kind of always wanted to pay for, for other people are teeth, like getting their teeth fixed so that they have nice teeth. And then the other thing, education, just helping Mm -hmm. people who would really benefit and who really would want to, but otherwise wouldn't be able to get an education or whatever it is that they need to do to be able to put themselves in a better situation. So I've always wanted to do those two things, but like the the older that I get and the more experience that I have, I think it would just be really nice to even be able to employ people and pay people and things like that um,
0: mm-hmm. to bless
1: other people's family,
0: you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you you kind of ha- grew up with a certain way of thinking about money and it's kind of carried over. And, you know, I think it's interesting that we think that people have like that you have that belief that people are bad if they have money. And that's kind of lingers, I'm sure, in the back of your brain sometimes. Right. Doesn't? And it's actually, I think it's kind of funny to me,
1: like the feelings that I have. I don't think my parents genuinely think that, mm-hmm. but that is the message that I got. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting to me that, like, here I have this thought that people that have a lot of money are, quote unquote, bad. Mm -hmm. But yet I go to BYU and I'm in a really nice apartment complex. And the first feeling I get is I'm not good enough to have a lot of money, which that's Mm -hmm. just seems so messed up. Like if the belief was that you're bad, if you have a lot of money, then for me, you would think my thought would be, I'm too good to have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But like, to me, I, I really do believe now, the older that I've gotten and things like that. That money really is neutral. And mm-hmm. I really have come to love the thought that all money does is make people more of who they are. Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you're wonderful. You become more wonderful because you can do mm-hmm. more wonderful things. And if you're a total jerk, you're more of a jerk. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. I know I, um, in my podcast last week, I kind of came to this realization mm-hmm. money and happiness or who you are are totally on totally different tracks like you can't even bring them into the same realm like money is just on this one track on the left side and you're moving on your life on the right and if money comes in that you take partake to help your life then great like let's just take that money to help but it doesn't dictate the life that you live and how happy you are or how depressed you are or what you do with your life and what you create in the world Well, and it's funny because the more I think about it,
1: it's almost like everything else is on a different track. Mm -hmm. And we like to pull those things over or blame them for how we feel, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's like your spouse or your kids or your life circumstance or job opportunity. I mean, whatever Mm -hmm. you name it and we can blame it right Mm -hmm. totally and this is something i've been thinking about doing a podcast episode on it's just like agency i just really here we came here to earth to have agency like Mm -hmm. that's the whole crux of the plan Mm -hmm. and yet in every situation you look at People are basically claiming, like, I'm stuck. I don't have a choice. I'm like this because of this. I'm like this because of that. Or I wouldn't be like this if I had more money or if I was married to someone else or if I had different kids or, you know, or Mm -hmm. if I had kids or, but Mm -hmm. really we have choices in every
0: single one of those situations to be more and better and happy. Yeah. So using your agency, what do you believe about your ability to make money? And why do you think you believe this?
1: So I think that my subconscious, like my lower brain Mm -hmm. (laughs) belief is that I've been able to make money when I need to make money. And I learned when I was single that like, I'm not motivated by money. Like if it's just like do X to get money, if I don't want to do X, I'm not going to do it Mm -hmm. because the money in and of itself is not motivating Mm -hmm. to me as I've really started thinking about like putting value into the world and then having that kind of coming back to you in a monetary form I totally think that that is a reality now whether or not I have confidence in my ability to put value out in the world that's Mm -hmm. you know Mm
0: -hmm. up for debate and we'll (laughs) see I have no doubt that you do. So you're going to be a millionaire in a couple of years with all that value you're pumping out in the world
1: that I'm pumping out into the world. <laughs> well, for a long time, I was like, can you be
0: a professional friend? That would be awesome, huh? <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be great at that. If people are a like, friend. I'm going to pay money Whitney to be my friend, a lot of money. I wonder if you could go and, you know, do, you know how they like, it's like rent a boyfriend. If you're going to a party (laughs) or something, you could like rent a friend. Rent a friend. There's a, there's a business idea for you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you believe you have this ability to make money. So what is your current money goal? I have to say this out loud on a podcast. Yes.
1: (laughs) Well, there's part of me that's like this is super crazy and I don't you know there's part of me that's just my whole life experience I guess up to this point is shouting at me like whatever but my money goal is that I am going to make two hundred and fifty thousand dollars by the end of the year
0: that's awesome and you have no idea how you're going to do it right
1: I do not have any idea yeah but all I can keep thinking is the
0: answer to how is yes (laughs) (laughs) Within reason, we don't want to sell your soul. Yeah, I don't plan
1: on selling my soul. I honestly do not believe I will have to do that at all. I've actually been thinking quite a bit about the fact that um, some of the people that do the most incredible things do things that are just very different. I just remember I was sitting, you know, last year listening to uh, Sharon Eubank giving, giving her talk in The women's session of general conference, and Mm -hmm. just the line that righteous women will be um, inspired in innovative ways. Like that line just goes through my mind all the time, just Mm -hmm. innovative ways. And so for me, I think that that is more a part of it. Like I have the desire to do good and to share messages um, that lift people and bring them closer to Christ. Like that really bring them Mm -hmm. the desire to feel more love and Mm -hmm. show more love and be love. And so I think that that is a a message that is definitely worthy of
0: having inspiration Mm -hmm. for innovative ways. So once you reach this amazing goal of $250,000 by the end of the year, how do you feel like your life is going to be different than it currently is? if you achieve that money goal?
1: I don't really think that it will be different. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) I think that I might have a little bit more confidence. I mean, I have my why as far as like what it is that I do and why I want to share that message with people. But then I have my why of why I want to even make money. And well, I already shared one, which is I love being generous. Like Mm -hmm. I feel like I try to be generous even, even now or that I always have, even when I wasn't making any money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just feel like that is just a part of me and something that I want to do on a larger scale. But the other part of my why is I just want to have more choices. I Mm -hmm. guess it goes back to agency. I want to feel like my family has the Um, options to choose different things and not that we will choose like I don't not that my husband will choose a different career but that that is always an option that we're Mm -hmm. never forced into doing something because right I mean it's
0: just a higher level of self-reliance right it moves out of like I just have I'm able to put a roof over my head and have a car to drive and food on my table but then it pushes you into another bracket like now i'm able to go serve more people and help more people and go experience new cultures and understandings of the world and gain education and i think that we don't think much past the i have a house a car and food on my table like we think that's that's like the minimum like that's all that i should really shoot for and i'm like that's not right Well, and a big part of it for me is like my husband,
1: you know, he can retire Mm -hmm. from his career in nine years. And I mean, I would just love to in nine years have given my husband the option to be like, okay, well, we're actually in a really great place so we can do whatever we want, whether that is, you know, if he wants to go coach a high school football team and not feel stressed about supporting our family Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. if you know, the church asks us to, you know, go serve a mission that we'll just Mm -hmm. be able to do it and not be like, oh, well, we have these money issues. I just wanna be able to help without being preoccupied with worldly things. And I think that that is actually like a really interesting aspect as I'm thinking about it is, I think that there's often this belief, you know, you talked about the whole um, idea that money is bad, Mm -hmm. and that, you know, if you have that idea like money is the root of all evil, you might really want to avoid money, but here what I'm saying is I want money, so I don't have to think about worldly things, Mm -hmm. so I can just focus on whatever it is Heavenly Father asks me to do. I love that. I love that. I mean, I do get that, like, there are going to be the people that are like, what about in the scriptures where it's like, take no thought for what you will eat tomorrow, and I want to take no thought for what I'm going to eat tomorrow because I know that we've gotten that taken care of. Mm-hmm. And I guess if Heavenly Father at some point wants to prove me, I guess that I will trust Him to just like drop manna from heaven. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll address that then. <laughs> but for <laughs> now, <laughs> right? You know, but I actually, it's interesting too because I have a friend that did point out to me. She said, Whitney. Having a financial goal is not a bad thing because, because mm-hmm. I start getting worried, like, am I getting focused on the financial goal or do I just want to help people? And I'm not really worried about like, if I make the money, great, if not, fine, you know, mm-hmm. but her point was you're giving heavenly father almost something very tangible to prove himself. Mm mm-hmm. You know, if it's like, I feel like you have inspired me to do this and I am going to work and this is a way that I'm going to focus and be motivated and work towards this goal. Mm -hmm. And then he can be like, look, I showed up. You didn't know how the answer was yes.
0: Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. You know, That's so interesting. I, yeah, that's great. Okay. So your money goal is really big. That's a big (laughs) money goal. I mean, that's not like my money goal, my money goal seems really pittance compared to yours. I'm like 50,000. That'd be great. (laughs) I know. So do you have any reservations about going after that goal? And what are they and why do you think you have them?
1: Um, one is for the very reason that it's like a really big goal Mm -hmm. and that I almost feel like anyone would be like, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. just last month when we were moving and I was thinking, oh my gosh, like I haven't even gotten anywhere in my business yet. And here we're moving and like pretty much I'm going to lose a month of my life (laughs) getting, Mm -hmm. you know, settled and whatever. And I just thought this is ridiculous. Like I, I can't believe I set and even like spoke out loud this goal, you know, cause as of right now, like I'm failing in such a huge way. That's just very embarrassing. Like I, I feel like I, and the Wright brothers that are like, we're going to fly in an airplane, You airplane. Know? <laughs> I don't know. I just, yeah. so there's part of me that that is, it's almost embarrassing to say it out loud because mm-hmm. I feel like it is so far-fetched. Mm-hmm. But then there's another part of me that when I sit down and I'm like, okay, so if I was going to do that, what kind of things would I have to do? And I have to say that like one of the most interesting ideas that I've heard is, you know, Brooke Castillo saying to plan like epic fails. You know, if I have all these epic fails to invite people to speak with me or be on my podcast or uh, who Mm -hmm. knows, whatever may come Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. that surely if one of those 25 things happens every quarter, I mean, you just don't know what that might do. Mm -hmm. And I was just, I was actually just talking to my dad today about my brother. This is kind of totally off subject, but, but at the same time, it's not like Mm -hmm. five years ago, he was sitting in prison Mm -hmm. serving a seven year term. Mm -hmm. And I said, dad, if five years ago, somebody would have come to you and been like, Robert in five years, your son is going to be sealed in the temple. And he's going to have five children, three of them, his own biological Mm -hmm. and all three boys in less than two years, Mm -hmm. I think. And he will have graduated from college and he will be working a job trying to get by. Mm -hmm. And I just think my parents would have just been like,
0: yeah, what? (laughs)
1: like, you know,
0: just because. It seemed so impossible at the time because you didn't
1: know the path. Totally. Mm -hmm. And if somebody would have shed light on that path, I think my dad and mom would have been like, what? Because the path was not easy and it was Mm -hmm. really uncomfortable. And lots of things that happen that you're like, oh, this is not the way. But then Mm -hmm. it has been, it became the way and, Mm -hmm. and the outcome has become something more incredible than Mm-hmm.
0: anyone could have imagined. Yeah. You know, I think that's a really important lesson because I think a lot of times in any area of our life, we're often like, Heavenly Father, just show me how to do it. Like, I just want to know the answer. I just want to know the way I the should end. go or the end. <laughs> but, and he's like, mm, no, I'm just going to show you just what you need to know because you you can't take everything right now. Yeah. You're sometimes not ready. I think,
1: if he showed it all to me, I mean, would it motivate me or would it just make me rock back and forth in a corner? <laughs> because Probably I think I'd be back and forth in a corner. Like, <laughs> but wait, I
0: don't know, gee, are,
1: you know, like right. the one step enough for me, like it really is enough for me. I just need to remember that. Right. I think the other part about it is he doesn't need money to make his work progress. I mean, it is a temporal tool that can do really amazing things as well, but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, he can make just these incredible miracles happen. And so I just think of all the different experiences that the prophets had in the scriptures, where it was like, I went and did it, and I had no idea beforehand Mm -hmm. what I was going to do. And it was like, Nephi had to go, they had to go three different times to figure out how to get those Mm -hmm. plates.
0: Yeah, and And if God had said, this is what's going to happen, they would have been like,
1: Mm, not going to do. Yeah. It. And can you imagine if he was like, OK, Nephi, this is what's going on. You need to hike back up to Jerusalem. You're going to go and you're going to cut off Laban's neck. I think that he would have been like, no, I'm not doing that I think it was a lot easier for Nephi to be like I will go and do the things which the Lord has given me because he didn't know exactly what that was yet Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know so he had that faith and he went and then when he had that inspiration it was like this little tug of war but it was like Mm -hmm. okay he's right here Mm -hmm. and I'm being told and I'll be able to get the plates so why do we try to limit Mm -hmm. God Mm -hmm. and I know that half of me is limiting him with my doubts of being like you're able to do that. Right. But there's part of me that's like, no, like I really do believe that he's been preparing me and giving me experiences and helping me by just making me familiar with ideas and people and, you know, all sorts of things. Yeah. I just feel like
0: Well, why did you pick that goal to begin with? Where did that number come from?
1: I just kind of had this thought that like by next year I'm gonna be making thirty thousand dollars a month. So I was like, well, thirty thousand a month is you know, that's like 360,000. But I was like, I'm not going to be making that the first of the year for sure. So
0: <laughs> like I'll just down it to <laughs> 250. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's cool. I mean, I just think that of even course. that is inspiration, right? You had that thought and you're like, okay, well, we'll, we'll give it a go. Okay. So last question, this is kind of a little bit It's on the topic still, but it's a little bit off of what the questions I've been asking you are, because I think because this podcast is listened to by a lot of women and a lot of Mormon women, and I think Mormon women have a lot of stories that they tell themselves about money that are not Mm -hmm. always the greatest and not being the major breadwinners, we have a hard time if we're going to go make money. So what do you think being a woman has done for you in forming your story about money? An LDS woman, I guess I should add. Yeah, so I feel like that is an interesting question, because
1: I always joke that I was raised by the most feminist man there is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, like, there's no job to wife, like mm-hmm. my dad will cook and clean and everything and he provides and I didn't grow up ever thinking like there wasn't something that I couldn't do. Now, because like my dad worked for the government and my husband works for the government and his mm-hmm. dad works for the government. I think that there's a certain amount of fear in the idea of being an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and figuring that out because I don't have people that are really close to me that are entrepreneurs. So I feel like that's really uncharted territory. You know, I have a brother-in-law that works for IBM and I have a brother-in-law that works for ExxonMobil. And so that's not going to be my way. Like I'm not going to be working for a big corporation. And it's just one of those things where culturally I feel like, especially like when I went to school and stuff and was, I was deciding what to do when I like grow up. Mm -hmm. I did not have like in my own home, I do not feel like I had any sort of limits placed on me. Mm -hmm. Like if I would have come home and been like, I'm going to go to medical school. Like my parents would have just been like, that is so awesome. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, I can't go to medical school because what if I meet someone and then I'll have mm-hmm. all this debt and I might have to drop out because I'm going to have to have kids and blah, blah, blah. And now I'm like, where did all of that come from? It's just like, I would have had medical school done by the time I met my husband because I didn't, you know, like I graduated college right after turning 21 and I didn't Mm -hmm. even meet my husband until I was like 25 or 26. So now in my life making money, I totally feel like I can do it and it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. And I actually feel really empowered by a lot of women that I see in the church, not because all of them are necessarily making money, Mm -hmm. But because I see women in the church just doing really incredible things. Mm -hmm. And I've also come to just view the whole idea of moms should be home. I mean, I am at home with my kids, but that is such a Western idea. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're a worldwide church and you barely ever. I mean, I don't think it's been since the eighties that somebody from the pulpit is like women, you should not have employment outside of the home. And I think it's because. Most people don't even have the option. It's mm-hmm. like not, I mean, it's just such a, such a small part of the world that that would even be. So I've tried to look at it more universally of I'm a daughter of God and what does he want for me? And I think mm-hmm. what he wants for me is to let my light shine as much as it can.
0: Mm-hmm. And if that includes 250,000, awesome.
1: Totally. Totally. And if I have to be a bag lady, that's okay, too. Right. (laughs) I will be a really happy bag lady. (laughs) All right. I will share my bags.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing all your wisdom. I always love talking to you because you have so much. So thank you for sharing your money story today. And I'm excited for it to be shared with all my listeners
1: and i'll let you know what my wt says or whatever
0: <laughs> next year. Okay, sounds good. It would be interesting to do a follow up in a year, right? With all of you and be like, "Okay, now where are you with your mini story?" Cuz you guys are all yeah. starting businesses. Yeah. Yeah. We are. So, yeah, really it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting
1: to see. So Okay. Well, thanks, Whitney. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Okay. Wasn't Whitney's advice in her interview great? She's such a great person. She's somebody that I know has a lot of friends because she's lived so many places and it's just kind of her personality to get to know people. But whenever you're with her, you feel like you're her best friend. And that is such a talent and gift that she gives to other people. And she is full of so many wonderful ideas and she shared them here today on the podcast. And I am thankful for her for being so willing to do that and being vulnerable and opening up. So I wanted to just pick out some things that kind of stuck out to me in the interview and be able to Uh, just expound upon them a little bit more. So the one thing that I really loved that Whitney talked about in the beginning was the perspective that she had about money. And it kind of stemmed a little bit from the fact that she was raised by two strong Democrats in an LDS home. You know, when my husband and I were living in Michigan, there were quite a few Democrats in our ward, and my husband always loved the different perspectives that they would bring up in classes and things like that, and it was just refreshing. But the point that I want to make here is that I do believe that politics plays a really strong role in how people view money and how they should be taxed on that money, how they should earn money, what they should do with their money, and that it really shapes how they see the role of money in their life and the lives of those around them. So I'm glad that she brought that up because that will definitely shape people's money stories and how they view money in their life. Another great point that she brought up was one about shame. Now, this is a common emotion I think that many people have around money, but they can't quite put their finger on it. It's a little bit hard Um, and we don't always, we don't necessarily label it as shame, but I do know that it exists. And the thing that's funny is that I have seen it exist in people that don't have very much money and people that do have a lot of money. So in the people that don't have a lot of money, they feel a lot of times like they're less than because they don't and that they don't measure up because they don't have a certain amount of money. And yet at the same time, the people who have a lot of money often are embarrassed about the fact that they have a lot of money and sometimes feel like they need to hide that from other people. Now, I think that it's one thing to go around gloating about your money, (laughs) but the people that I've witnessed this in They don't gloat about their money, but they are embarrassed about the things that they can buy with their money. And I just find that interesting because really, if we look at that, that people have shame because they have too little or because they have too much, or really wherever they fall on the money spectrum, it really brings home to me that it is more, about the thoughts that we have about money than the money itself. I really want you all to focus on that, on what your thoughts are about money and why they are a certain way. And is it serving you in a way that is useful and that brings you peace and happiness? So I'm thankful for Whitney for bringing that up about shame. Now, I thought this other point that she brought up was really interesting as well. That at times, you know, when we were just talking about money shame, we can feel embarrassed that maybe we go f- we go buy something at a really nice store if we have the money or we buy higher end items. And the thing that I like that she shared was, is that with every purchase that you make, when you buy something, even if it's high end, probably even more, especially when it's high end, you are paying somebody. Somebody is getting paid for you buying that item they're either getting paid because they supplied the goods that went into making it they worked on producing it or they were the person who purchased it and then sold it to you for a profit i think that's a great way to think about spending your money so when you go buy a piece of clothing or a piece of furniture or a car just try and think about all the people whose lives that you're blessing with that purchase because they're going to get paid And it's not one that I think we often think about, but I think it's a really healthy one to start adopting. And I'm going to certainly try and do that myself. I think another point that she brings up, I have several here, so um, I'll try and make this quick. But another thing that I think that she really brought home was that it is human nature to be looking for a place to blame others for our circumstances. And she didn't quite say it this way, but this is kind of how I interpreted it. And whether we want to blame somebody for our physical, emotional, or spiritual state, we like to play in the victim role and then place that blame outside of ourselves. And money is often blamed for how things are in our life. But Whitney really pointed out that we all have agency to view any circumstance we're in from a place that serves us or one that doesn't. And the trick is knowing when it is serving us well and when it is not. And I think that that is so true. Like money is just a neutral circumstance. We get to choose how we want to think about it and then what we feel about it and then how we act surrounding it and then the results that we have because of it. So I know that she was super vulnerable in giving us her big money goal of $250,000. So I want you to kind of think about what your thoughts were when she said that that was her goal. Did you want to judge her negatively for having that goal? And do you think she will reach it? Or do you think, and do you think that you could reach the same goal? I'm not really going to answer those questions. I think that they're ones that you need to think about and then think about why you think that way. And is it one that you like? Is it a reason that you like? And if so, great. And if it's not, then maybe take a little bit deeper reflection on that. Um, She also talked about the motivation for money. And I really like this too, where she said that if she was simply doing something to make money for money's sake, that she couldn't do it. And it just wouldn't be a cause big enough for her to go after something. And I have to agree with her. I do believe that if we're seeking money simply for the sake of having money, that it is a negative thing and that it won't serve you well. And here's the kicker. You can have a love of money if you have $10 or if you have $10 million. The amount is irrelevant. But having a vision to create value and worth in the world and get paid for it, I don't think that that is a bad thing at all. So let's not really focus on the love of money for money, but what can we do with the money? How can we serve? How can we create more in the world and add more abundance to the world because we have money? Lastly, I think that it is true that when our focus is to create value and shine our light in the world, money will naturally come. If you're like me, this has been a place that I've had to stretch my mind, but I really do feel it is true. So after today's interview of listening to Whitney, I want you to go out and produce some value. I want you to take really good look at what she said and all the great advice that she said And then create your own money stories and then go out and be able to create the value that will produce that money. I recently heard something really interesting from Brooke Castillo, the founder of my coaching school, where she was talking about how Gandhi and Mother Teresa, they had a really hard time keeping them poor (laughs) because they were creating so much value in the world and that value automatically was going to produce money for what it was. And I thought that was so interesting because I look at it now and I'm like, you know what? She's right. There were so many opportunities for movies and books and merchandise and causes that those two individuals produced because of the value of what they were doing. So anyway, I hope you take all of this and have a great rest of your day and I'll be back tomorrow. Bye-bye.